Excellent. Good morning. That sounds better. Very good. Let me get myself sorted here. I'm excited about today. Um, I'm going to share a message with you. It's quite a, a personal message. Um, and some of the people that have been through our journey have been part of this sort of uh, message today, really. Um, I've invited a few friends that are here. And uh, I, j- I just really pray that, God, you just use this message, right, Lord, and um, just speak through me, Lord, let me die right now to myself. Like, whatever ego, whatever thing can stand in the way, whatever disappointment, fear, whatever shame I've had in my life, that it not influence me right now, and that I can speak freely, that you can speak through me, Lord God. Um, amen. All right, so if you've got a notepad, the title of the message is Unstoppable Faith, and um, it's, uh, it's a passage of scripture that is really personal to us. Um, it's in Luke 8, verse 40 to 56, uh, so if you want to write that down. Uh, we're doing this series about Luke in church, and uh, we've been having a, an amazing time in Luke 8 over the last few weeks. Um, who's enjoyed Luke 8, Luke 8, by the way? There we go. There's some good hands there. We've heard a lot, lot of good stories. The parable of the sower. Uh, we heard the story about the storm, which was amazing. Ian, you preached that one. Um, it was all about fear, and uh, we learned about Jesus and how he controls you know, the environment, how he controls the weather, how he controls the elements out there. And then uh, Adam preached about the naked demon guy (laughs) and the pigs. And, uh, you know, that was was good as well. Jesus controls um, the spirit world, you know, and he controls that. He's he's got that in his hands. Um, Today you will hear about Jesus and how he controls life and death. And... uh, it's such an amazing story. It's quite a long scripture, so it's going to take me a while to get through it. But it's essentially a foretelling of what Christ would have done, what Christ did at the cross, essentially. And uh, it's, it's a really, really good story. So it's about faith. You know, this whole story for me is about faith. And I think we can learn a lot in this story about what impacts faith in our lives. And there's sort of three major themes that I'm going to talk about. Fear is going to be one. Um, disappointment. And then we'll talk a little bit about shame. And you can see these elements that impacts faith through this story very clearly. I gave a little quick overview of this over the summer when I preached on the shepherd, Psalm 23. But today I'll really unpack it a little bit more um, through this um, account. So firstly, around fear, you'll hear that in today's story, there's a character that really was crippled by fear. Originally, this was my message title, but I thought that might not work too well. And it's going to be more about faith. But this woman had real fear of death. Uh, or sorry, this, this man, real fear of death, uh, Jairus, of his daughter dying. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe this message is for you today. You know, if you've had a situation like that where you've had a child or a family member that's been in ICU, maybe this message is for you if you've had years of abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, Sexual abuse, you know, I think today's message can really speak to you. Um, Maybe you've just been in a situation lately where you just don't know how you're going to get through the month. You know, you've got no food left. A couple weeks before the end of the month, you are running out of food. You're running out of money. And I think this message can really help you if you have those fears. It's also about disappointment, but it's about disappointments in life as well. Um, this, This woman with the blood, she was sick for 12 years that we're going to talk about. 
You know, think about it. For 12 years, you've been isolated, completely taken out of community. You know, how disappointed must she have been? Unbelievable. And this message is for someone that's been sick for a long time. Maybe you've been sick for a long time. Maybe you've not had a job for a long time. Um, maybe just, life has just been difficult. Maybe you've just failed so many times that you just don't know how to move forward. Maybe you have struggled with your marriage. Maybe you've been through a divorce. Maybe you're just struggling with your kids and you're just so disappointed at where they're at in their lives. I don't know. Maybe this message is for one of you. Um, and then we're going to talk about insecurity and shame. I'm kind of grouping it together today. But uh, <laughs> funny story. I was at uh, Adam's house <laughs> about a year ago, I think. And uh, we, we had a meeting there. Paul McCormack was there. It was hilarious. Paul, he came after the, the discussion. He said to me, can I get a lift with you? And I was like, yeah, you can get a lift. But as he, as he was speaking to me, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this car is an absolute big sty. Because who's got kids here? Anybody that had kids? Oh, my gosh. You must see my car. It looks like a trash can, really. So sometimes. Not always. Not always. You know, not, not always. But, but then Paul walks behind me, and I'm like, oh, man. Okay, Paul. Yeah, yeah, come. No, no problem. And I grab, and I open the door, and there's this huge plastic bag, a Tesco's bag, and I just started shoving stuff in, like papers and sweets and like everything. And as I'm like shoving stuff in this bag, my hand goes through a Big Mac burger. Like one of my kids had a Big Mac and I'm like full of cheese and like onions. And I'm so ashamed of myself. I'm like, what is this man going to think of me? You know, with this Big Mac in my hand and I'm stucking this hand in the paper bag and like trying to clean and <laughs> trying to hide my fear and my shame. And he didn't... He, didn't, he doesn't even know about this. I did a good job. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, like, I'm like standing there. So I feel so filthy. Like, filthy man, what's, gone? what's wrong with you? And um, so today is not really going to be about something that small. It's about a woman that has felt filthy for 12 years. I had a, like a little filthy moment there feeling about a, a Big Mac on my hand. She felt filthy for 12 years. Years. Think about it. Think about it. And we're going to talk about her. So, you know, maybe this message, if you've been at a physical defect, if you have had a, an addiction, maybe you've been addicted to alcohol, maybe you've had something, you've been drinking too much wine. I don't know, you know. Um, maybe you've got a very deep secret, a very deep secret that, you, that you've been hiding inside of you for such a long time and you feel filthy about that. Okay, I'm going to talk about that today. I'm going to go there. Um, so I want everybody to close their eyes. I think I've probably hit 90% of the people here today already. But I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to think about what are the things in my life that's blocking my faith right now. Everybody, everybody, sit, sit back and close your eyes. What, if I've hit one of these areas, fear, shame, disappointment, insecurity, I want you to think about the things that are blocking your faith. What is blocking your faith? Father God, I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, come now. Now, Lord, and show every single person here. If there's anything blocking their faith, any of these things that I've mentioned, Lord, point it out, Lord. Reveal it. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Jesus.
So what I'm going to do is a little bit different than normal. I'm going to do a scripture walkthrough. I'm not going to read the whole scripture, but I'm going to sort of read it and preach and read and preach as we go. So are you ready? Are you expectant? All right. You guys have the scriptures ready there? Very good. Excellent. So Luke 8. Let's go. Luke 8 verse 40. And as Jesus returned, the people welcomed him, for they had all been waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, and he was an official of the synagogue. He fell at Jesus' feet and began to implore him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. She was dying. Shocker. Shocker. If you think about the shocker. Synagogue leader, right? Think about it. A synagogue leader coming to Jesus. Man, Jairus, you must be ashamed, man. Aren't you ashamed? He must have been ashamed, you know. I think uh, that wasn't his, his biggest issue because, you know, his biggest issue was that he had fear in his heart. You know, he was so afraid that his little girl was going to die. He must have been crippled by that fear. I can relate because, you know, I've got an 11-year-old son. I've got a 10-year-old daughter in two weeks' time, you know, and it's a, that fear of losing a child can be absolutely devastating. Um, when, Leia's, when Leia was born, um, this is now three years ago, we were super excited. We were so excited, our third child. The kids were excited, little Herman, Jaden, they were like freaking out. They were so excited about this little sister that was, was on, their, on, their, on her way. And uh, remember, she was born, and right after the, the birth, the doctor came over, and uh, he said to us, he wants to talk to us very quickly. Um, and I knew something's not right. He was really nervous in his voice. And he said, Leia needs to go to the ICU straight away. We can't wait. Um, she, she had a, a problem. She had incompatible blood. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. But essentially, Angie's blood was attacking her blood. I don't know all the medical terms, so I'm going to be very simple here and how I explain this. And the sermon is really not just me preaching. It is also from Angie. Um, but the doctor said to us, she has to go through a full blood exchange. They have to literally take all her blood out and put new blood in. And they have to do it very, very quickly. They basically said, if it's not happening by tomorrow morning, she will for surely for surely, have brain damage. Um, so so we, they ordered the blood, you know, and time was running out. Time was running out. The time was running out. And Jairus had the same thing. His time was running out. He had so much fear in his heart. And time was running out. Brain damage. Oh, man. I just remember. I was so disappointed in God. I'm going to be honest with you. I... I, I, I was disappointed. I just said, God, why? I've been serving you so long now. You know, I've been, you know, been leading a connect group, been looking after people. I've been in church now for a long time, really just going at it. Why, God? What is, what is this all about? You know, my faith was under attack like, like I've never had it. You know, it was, it was severely under attack. So I'm going to continue with the story. If you guys can go to the next slide. And then in verse 42, it continues. But as he went, the crowds were pressing against him. And a woman who had a hemorrhage 
for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone, came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. And immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, who is the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding. I'm pressing in on you. Yes, Peter, what? (laughs) So Peter, isn't it? And then when the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your faith has made you well. Now a little bit of background about this woman, if you think about it. 12 years of sickness. Imagine how many doctors, how many people must have given her opinions and you know, prescriptions and do this, do that, do this, do that. I can just imagine. She must have been so disappointed. Like, imagine everybody come. Yeah, this is going to work. No, it's not going to work. Not today. Not today. Not next week. Not the week after. It's not happening. You know, and she must have been so discouraged. And she was also unclean, according to the law. You know, with that hemorrhage. So ashamed. Filthy. Filthy. Not like my Big Mac, thank goodness. But filthy. That's what she must have felt inside of her heart. Twelve years of rejection. Man. And, you know, to think about it, the risk to go to Jesus looking like that and having that issue, that must have been very fearful for her. She had fear in her heart. She was, she was ashamed. She had insecurities. She was super disappointed in everything. Why, Jesus? Why, God? What's going on? She was isolated. She had no community. You know, she was excluded, if you think about it. She was excluded from community. So we are actually, as a community, so fortunate that we have connect groups. You know, we've got 11 connect groups now. We've got a church that we can gather with every Sunday. We are consistent. We are every Sunday. It's maybe one or two a year we don't. But we are consistent. We, we, the community is here. She had none of that. She didn't have that community. She was excluded I love how Jesus stopped to make time for this woman. Isn't it amazing? It is, I mean, he put, literally put everything on hold for this woman. Everything. And I want someone to know you today. You need to know that he does that for you as well. He knows your name. He knows everything about you. He loves you. He knows you inside out. He knows you're not perfect. And that's okay for him. That's okay for him. You don't have to be perfect to come to Jesus. You just need to come. That's all. He will change you from the inside out. And he's not forgotten you. But no matter where you're coming from, I don't care what your past has looked like, what you've done. He doesn't care about that. He doesn't worry about that. Okay? He loves you. That, uh, there's a little scripture that it's, it, Jesus said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. That's so good. That word well, by the way, means sozo in the Greek. If you know the Greek, you know, it means to save. So if you think about this, this this not just healed her. It says in the scriptures, this saved her. 
Yes, she got healing when she touched his cloak. But Jesus said, you were saved. The bigger meaning of the story here is that when you go to Jesus, when you put everything on hold and you say, I'm going to touch your cloak, he's going to save you. That's what the scripture is saying. He saves you if you go out to him. If you put your ego aside and if you put your past behind you and you stop thinking about other things and you put Jesus first and you go to his cloak, he will save you. That's what the scripture is saying. So there's today for someone here today. Salvation. You can be saved now in this sermon today. So if you've not made that decision, I'm going to pray for you later on. Let's go back to Jairus. What was he thinking? Imagine Jairus standing there waiting. Imagine. We've all waited, you know. That, that waiting time is so hard. Seeing someone else healed, phew, that must have been really, really difficult. I've waited for God for so, so many things. And, and, but he always comes through. Let me encourage you. He always comes through. With Leah's story, it was so frustrating for us to wait, you know, for that blood to come from London. It was frustrating. We were crying. I was crying. Angie was crying. I was crying because Angie was crying. I mean, my heart broke for my wife that, that day. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it was tough. Think about it. Angie also had limited access as a new mom. She couldn't get beat to it with her baby. The baby needed to be separated from her. And that was just so hot. Anyway, later that day, I was driving down the A21 again. <laughs> um, Jesus really filled my heart on the A21. This is for another day. Um, but on the A21 again, I was crying. I was reaching out to Jesus. I was just bawling it, literally. Um, and Jesus came and he said, you know what? Leave this to me. I will deal with this. And it was just a peace in my heart that came, you know, when I was driving down the A21. I had to go home because my kids were still there, Herman and, and, and Jaden. They still had school and stuff, and it was chaos at the house, and then Angie had to stay. So, you know, it was on that trip back. One thing I, I've learned through this experience is that God, God always steps up to the plate. No matter what. And he does it in two ways. And I want to share this with you. Because this is going to bring some clarity for some people. The first way that God moves. And how he steps up to the plate. Is he provides. Okay. He provides. He either will provide. Or he's going to sustain you. Okay. But there's two alternatives. There's two ways. And he has a plan for you. Whatever situation you're in. Whatever fear. Whatever disappointment. Whatever shame. Whatever insecurity you have. There's two ways that God has a plan for you. He's going to provide for you. And sometimes he comes and he does it in a miracle. And he just steps in and he heals and it happens. Sometimes he uses a doctor. Sometimes he uses another Christian. Sometimes he's even used unfaithful people, people that are not saved. But God comes in and he provides. Now, he doesn't always provide. We always want that first option. Please, God, step in, provide. But it doesn't always happen like that. You know, in my life, so many times, he has not always provided, you know, but he has sustained me. Um, we live in a fallen world. We have to remember that, everyone. We live in a fallen world. There's a lot of sin out there. There's a lot of people 
that are not living in the right way, that will hurt people. And it is, unfortunately, the times we live in. At some point, you will all face loss. You will all face loss, and you're going to have to be able to, to, to look at that. Um, but God will provide in some circumstances, and he will sustain in others. It doesn't matter. The waiting time is still excruciating. You know, and for us it was hard, and I can relate to, J- to Jairus how he, how he waited. God allows the waiting time. Why does he do it? He allows it to produce faith. He allows the waiting time to produce faith in us. Um, but he also produces character. It says in Romans 5, thank you, Adam. Um, we had a good chat about this one. Um, that it, your tribulations will lead to perseverance. That perseverance as you continue to push. But eventually, eventually that perseverance is going to develop character in you. Integrity, loyalty, love. Unconditional love is what comes out eventually. I love that. We're going to continue. Let's go on to the next scripture. While he was still speaking, someone came from the house of the synagogue official saying, your daughter has died. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. Jairus must, must have felt at that point, no, Jesus, come on. Why? Why did you stop? Why did you stop? Why? It's like, that's what I would have done. He was disappointed again. He was shocked. That's, that's shockingly disappointing. Shockingly disappointing. That's, that's what he felt like. It continues. But when Jesus heard this, he answered him, Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe, and she will be made well. When he came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him, except Peter and John and James, and the girl's father and mother. Now they were all weeping and, and lamenting for her. But he said, Stop weeping, for she has not died, but is asleep. And they began laughing at him, knowing that she had died. Knowing that she had died. Hmm. Don't think so. He took her by the hand and called, saying, Child, arise. And the spirit returned, and she got up immediately. And he gave orders for someone to be given her, something to be given to, to her to eat. Her parents were amazed, but he instructed them to tell no one what had happened. Amazing. God has a different timeline. Our timelines are skewed. We, our timelines doesn't always work. So maybe, maybe you've had a, a child, a boy or a girl or whatever, and if they've been struggling with their faith, don't be so discouraged in your heart. Let me encourage you today. God has not forgotten about them. He's coming back for them. Just give it time. They have to remember. They have to go through difficult seasons they have to develop that character. Their faith needs to be developed. So as a parent, I'm, I'm imploring you, don't give up. It'll happen. Give it time. Give it time. God has a perfect plan. He's got a perfect plan. Trust it. Trust it. So response to fear, disappointment, shame, in my view, is a decision. It's a decision we're all going to have to make on how we deal with that. You can easily isolate yourself. You can walk away and you can 
isolate yourself like 70% of this people in this country sometimes. There's a lot of people isolated. They, they, they're so scared of being judged, they don't want to be in community. Or you can get tough. Like, oh, I know everything. And let your ego step in a way. You can be, be a tough guy. You can, um, you can throw a pity party. You know, people can start feeling sorry about life and feeling sorry about themselves. That's one way you can decide to, to move. Or you can reach out to Jesus and you can ask him for his help and touch his cloak. And you can go to Jesus and you can say, Jesus, I'm done with being, trying to do this myself. I need you. Even if I can just touch your cloak, I need you. But what does that look like? What does that look like? What does that in reality look like to go up to Jesus and touch his cloak? What does that look like for you? For me, there's four things. The first one is acceptance and understanding the paths. You know, I, through this whole story, and um, I really gotten to understand that Jesus and God has these two paths for us. But he's always loving, always there for us. He's, he, but he, he has the two plans. He's either going to provide for you or he's going to sustain you. And remember that he's in control. He's in control of both those paths. No matter what path he's, he's, he's planned for you, to build his kingdom with, that's what he's doing. He's got a plan there, one, one or the other, providing or sustaining. He's in control. So that for me is important, is acceptance that he's in control and acceptance that the, it's two paths, that, 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 that's the storyline. Second one is praying, that, that Jesus steps in, you know, and praying for provision. But to accept in the praying that if, you know, if he doesn't provide, he, he will sustain me. And to know that Jesus is in control again through the praying. The third one is around connecting. We are not meant to do life alone. You know, and the enemy hates it when we bring stuff, these things, disappointment, shame, fear. He hates it when we bring it into the community, when we bring it into our discussions in Connect Group. Because he wants you alone. He doesn't want you with your friends he doesn't want you with the church because he can get to you when you're alone. When you're in community, when you're in those little sh small groups and when we have life together, we pray for each other, we support each other. That's, that's where the enemy want to take you away. And then last but not least for me, it's serving and loving and continuing to focus on God's purpose and his kingdom. And whatever is in front of you in your season to serve that, and that's something I've learned. Sometimes I've got real issues and troubles in my heart. And then I've learned that when you start serving and you start loving, these things go away. You know, because you stop focusing on yourself and you start focusing on other people. Um, so the serving element is so important for me and it's helped me a lot in my life. So acceptance, so accept the two paths. Pray and continuously pray that Jesus steps in. Connect Connect with your community. Go to your connect groups. Really important. And then serve and really sow into God's kingdom. And sow what's in front of you. A lot of people, someone told me once, oh, I lost my job, I don't know what to do, like this and this. And I just said to him, well, who's in front of you? Like, who's God, who did God bring in your storyline currently? And he said, well, there's my sister, there's that. You know, and I said, start sowing. You know, he said, yeah, my, my kids are... Really, there's challenges with my kids and my older son is like going to all these bars and clubs and, 
And I said, start sowing, start loving there. Get about the big picture about the job for now. What did God put right there in front of you? Start serving and loving there in that, so in that season. Right there, you start sowing seeds. And that's, that's how God starts to heal us. I'm going to call the band up. Are you guys ready? Where you? Here we go. In my closing. So, in the story of Leah, you know, we, that evening, we surrendered to God. You know, we, we basically made a decision that, you know what, whatever happens, he's in control. And come what may, providing or sustaining, whatever the case is, we are going to trust him. And we completely gave it to Jesus. Um, and where initially we were crippled by it, fear started crippling right in front of our eyes. The fear started melting away. Our entire connect group, and there's some of you guys here today, you guys supported us so much. So much. And, you know, I, I remember that evening, I, I was alone at home with the two kids, and I just started singing this song. And they're going to sing it now. It's called Nothing But the Blood. And it's, it's a declaration of faith, you know. Basically says that whatever, Jesus, make me whole again. Make me whole again. The good news is the next morning we arrived at the hospital. I arrived at the hospital. Angie was already there at Pembury. And um, the doctors received the blood. Um, but the doctor came over and he said, Herman, something really unusual happened here. And he said, you know what? Uh, they can't explain it, but she doesn't need the blood exchange anymore. And, and he, <laughs> during that night, during that night, God just stepped in. You know, Leah took a few days to recover, but it was only a few days and she was home. You know, and... Uh, <laughs> In this instance, I want to just say something here. In this instance, he healed. There's been instances in my life where he didn't heal and he didn't step in and, and provide it. But I can tell you now, he sustained us. He kept us whole, you know, and he got us through that season. And I love him for that. You know, Jesus is the king of elements. He's the king of the spirit world. He's the king of life. He's the king of death as well. He's our king. Faith in Jesus make you unstoppable. Nothing can stop you with faith. Fear, disappointment, shame, and insecurities will melt with faith. Complete, complete peace is a person. And it can only come from Jesus. It can only come from Jesus. Matthew 11 says, Come to me, all you who are weary, burdened, and I will give you rest. Church, you get peace when you reach out to Jesus' cloak. When you put yourself aside and your ego and your situation and your shame and your disappointments and your fears when you go out and you touch his cloak, he brings you peace. I want to ask you a question. Have you reached out to Jesus' cloak? Have you touched 
his cloak. Have you reached out and completely surrendered to God? I want to ask you that question here today. The Bible says if you declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He will save you. He will save you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask if there's anybody here today that has not reached out to his cloak and have not made a decision to follow Jesus today. I want to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. So I want everybody to bow down. I want this to be a, a sacred moment for someone here today. So if you close your eyes, I'm going to count to three. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you want to take Jesus as your Savior. If you want Jesus to step into your life and renew you and change you from the inside out. One. Have you touched his cloak yet? Church, have you touched his cloak? Two, Jesus loves you. He cares for you. He wants you. And then three, shoot up your hand. Today is your day. If you want to reach out to Jesus this morning, thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand. There's someone else here. If today's your day, I believe today's your day. Thank you, Jesus. I'm now going to pray. And uh, oh, I'm so, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pray. And I want you to pray with me. If you raise your hand, I want you to say everything that I've just said. You need to say it in your, in your head. Father God, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for living the life that I've lived. Please forgive me for the sins that I've committed in my life. I accept you now, Jesus, as my Savior. I accept you. I want to touch your cloak right now. Lord, thank you for taking my place at the cross. Thank you, Jesus. And last... Lord, help me to live a life that builds your kingdom for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.